Hello, welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, and human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now, here's your host, two-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kosowski. Hello, everyone. It's Deborah Kozowski here for another show, the Millionaire Woman Show podcast. And my guest is Milana Lashinsky. Simplicity Circle founder Milana Lashinsky is creating a simplicity revolution for coaches, authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs who want to grow their businesses with ease. Creator of the Reoccurring Revenue Revolution, author of Coaching Millions, co-founder of JV Inside Circle, and the inventor of Telesummits, Milana is known as a serial entrepreneur and a paradigm shifter for many luminaries. She came from the Soviet Ukraine 25 years ago as a classical musician with zero knowledge of business of the business world and has built multiple six and seven figure businesses since. Today, she's passionate about showing entrepreneurs how to use simplicity as a growth strategy and say goodbye to complexity and overwhelm. Hello, simplicity, profits, and ease. Please welcome Milana to the show. Thank you so much, Deborah. I am excited to be here with you. Well, I've been following you for a while, and there has been a shift for you. And I know that you also have a Facebook group that um, I'll let you share a little bit about, but I know that there has been a shift. And one of the things is you have a book that you had published about 10 years ago, maybe not so relevant to what you're doing now, but how did you get started? Actually, it's more relevant than I realized as I was thinking about it. It's like people are still aware of my book and they're asking me about it. And I thought, is it relevant? It was 10 years ago. Um, yeah, so I, as you said, I came from the former Soviet Ukraine and I came ready to teach music, but it didn't really look the same in my mind as I um, saw in the States. The, the, the system of music education was very different here. And so I kind of fell out of love with that idea. And I started learning about computers, business, web development. And it was the time of our lives when in, the internet started uh, taking over our lives. You know, it was the late 90s. And so, yeah, in 2001, I got my, uh, in 2000, I got my first job as a web designer. And in 2001, I quit my job and started my business as a web developer. That was my very first business, I would say. Yeah. And then, um, you know, a lot of people started hiring me to create their websites and I started learning about their business and I learned about this thing called coaching. It was very new at the time. It was even looked down upon by people from Europe. Like, why do you need a coach? Are you sick? <laughs> yeah. Are, are you um, not able to do life yourself? Um, and now, of course, it's very different 17 years later. And so, yeah, that's kind of, I slowly got into this coach, author, speaker space of people who are creative, passionate entrepreneurs who wanted to use business as a form of self-expression. That's what I'm seeing more and more of. Yeah. 
Because often people are going into business because they want something for themselves as part of it. And the other part is that they see that they can be a solution to fill in a gap that people are facing. And that through that process, there's a creativity piece that people don't realize that what attracts them, it's not only about just calling your own shots, but it's being able to express yourself in your business and really, and that's in your brand, right? It's expressing yourself, showing up as that person you want to be seen as in the marketplace. Absolutely. I actually, my my mentor used to say, did you know that most people who become coaches get into coaching as a form of, of personal growth? Because when you master something, you certainly expect it to uh, impact your life as well. You're not just a coach. You're somebody who used what you learned as a coach to improve your own life. And the more I, I live and work in this space, the more I see that to be true, is that we want to improve our lives, which is why we um, become teachers at it. Yeah. Coaches. As a coach myself, I have to say that I've learned so much about myself by working with others. Um, often there's some dilemmas that they have faced that I can see myself in as well. So it's been really cool because I can process it differently when I see it on the other side of me <laughs> versus yeah. inside of me. And there's some situations that are totally new to me, but learning how to navigate those as well. I actually learned more about myself in the last, I would say, two years than I've ever learned about myself in my entire life. And I think those lessons come through mistakes, failures, and pain. And then on the other side, like, that is why this was happening. Oh, I, I shouldn't have done that. This is why, this is what I need to be creating now. So all of those painful experiences that we might go through as entrepreneurs, we learn from them and we build on them. And so that's kind of the place I'm at today because I walked away from a million dollar company last year. People were very confused about that until I started communicating my reasons and what was happening. And so, yeah, I'm much happier and excited, but I did spend three months crying after I left because I was confused and lost and had a lot of self-doubt whether I should have done it or whether that was a big mistake. Now I know it wasn't, but at that time I was so close to it that it felt scary and it felt wrong. So let's, let's get into that. What was the game changing shift for you that, cause I, I see here that one of the topics that you really focus on is ending that confusion. And you went through that yourself to create results with ease, to turn that vision into a lucrative business. What happened that yeah. made you shift? So when I first started my business uh, 17 years ago, I went from being a web designer to being um, a marketing coach, eventually to creating, you know, uh, you know, people have said Milan and build a coaching empire. And what that means is that I've created dozens of different uh, training, coaching and information programs um, on how to build a, a business as a coach, how to grow your business online, all of those things that I was teaching. And I had a live event called um, Coaching uh, Summit. And I, uh, I had the very first in the world uh, tele-summit called Coaching Tele-Summit. Um, so I did all of these things that I've, I've built in my business. And I was raising two small children at that time. And 
working about four or five hours a day, raising two small children, I reached a level of a half a million dollar business, wow. which was phenomenal. Just the, the fact that I was able to use the word million in describing my income, you know, to my family was surreal. You know, my, my uncle would always make fun of me and say, so where are all your millions? Where are you hiding them? <laughs> <laughs> and then um, I started getting a little bored, I think. I started... I, I, this is part of my self-awareness. I get bored when I stop being able to see or say something new and fresh. The reason it started happening is because a lot of people in our industry started coming into this field saying the same things, saying similar things. All of a sudden, there's a thousand business coaches and mentors, and they're all marketing the same thing. And I looked at it and I said, um, I don't think I have anything to, to say new right now and that's when my level of boredom reached <laughs> a new high and that is when my a new uh, business partner approached me and we um, his idea was I really liked his idea and I think I liked it so much that I didn't think about much else and I said yes and at first it was a, a small yes let's do this project and then it was a big yes forget my company I'm just gonna do this and we built um, a company uh, with a big team, a big community, and it was very exciting. And then a couple years into it, what started happening was um, the company got so big and there's so many moving pieces around it, so many goals, projects, things happening that I can't say that I became overwhelmed. I think I, I no longer saw a very clear role for me in this company because what I love doing is creating, mm -hmm. but everything was already created. It seemed like everything that needed to be created was already there. And now we were in maintenance mode and maintenance kind of like management, right? And I became restless. You know, I wanted to create um, something here, but wait a minute, I'm not really uh, managing a team. That's not my role. I wanted to create something here, but wait a minute, we already have a live event and adding to it would be too much. So anyway, I became restless and it became a little bit overwhelming. Um, the relationship with my business partner started get, taking a toll um, on my health uh, and I started having panic attacks. And if you ask me during that time, are you overwhelmed? I would say, no. Do you enjoy your business? I would say, um, it's not bad. But my body knew before I knew that it's time to leave. And the panic attacks were sort of like a red flag, a sign um, that something had to change. And so after a year and a half of panic attacks, I finally realized that I'm just not going to be happy in this business. There's a lot of friction happening, a lot of things that I'm not happy with, the way it's going, I need to leave. And so I made a decision. We made a million and a half that year. And I said, I'm, I'm done. And I walked away. Well, I didn't quite walk away. I sold my half to my business yeah. partner. Yeah. But in my mind, I walked away because I was building something. It was my baby. Yeah. And it had so much potential. And instead of seeing the potential flourish and thrive, I didn't allow myself to be part of it. I just left. So that's kind of how I see it. <laughs> see, and as I hear you, you saying the story, when I think of someone who has that creative energy and drive, and when you hit a maintenance mode, it's almost like complacency. 
Yeah. Right. And complacency is death. Complacency is your soul and it's restlessness. I think for me, it showed up as restlessness. Yeah. I was just, I was jumping from project to the project and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. Why this wasn't enough. And I also have to tell you, you know, your show is very relevant for me to say that. I've always wanted to make a million dollars. That was the holy grail for me. I think it's the holy grail for every internet marketer, for every person who starts a business. I want to have a million dollar company. And finally I did, but when I hit a million dollars, I didn't realize that I was a seven figure entrepreneur now. I missed that whole point in time that it happened. And it wasn't until six months later that my accountant told me, oh yeah, yeah, you're $1.4 million. Like, what? millionaire <laughs> I made a, a, over a million dollars and I didn't know about it what was I doing what was I busy doing yeah and so it didn't feel like it a million dollars like I thought it would feel actually it felt like nothing it felt empty and it felt like what's next and I actually remember thinking that hitting a six-figure income was a lot more exciting I remember I went out celebrating when I hit $100,000. I took my whole family to the most expensive restaurant. Yeah. Right? So when you think that a million dollars is gonna be making you happy and solve all your problems, actually, it's not. And that was my big revelation and biggest surprise as I grew my business. Yeah. So how do you measure success now? Because many people, you know, success to them is wealth. Um, other people, it's, you know, relationships. What is your measure of success? Now that I've been building a new company called Simplicity Circle, I've been exploring this idea. What is simplicity and why do I like that idea and why do I equate that to success? And that's because simplicity to me, most of all, feels like freedom. So I measure success today by the amount of freedom I have. And you need money to have a certain level of freedom. You cannot be free without having money to buy things and experiences that you want. I mean, some people will argue this notion. I watched the documentary, The Minimalist, and I read the books. Um, You know, I'm familiar with all of that, how people see simplicity as getting rid of all their belongings. That's not me. You know, if you look behind me, I have a very, I would say, luxurious office space that was inspired by my trip to Toronto, actually. Oh, really? There was a, um, oh gosh, I will not remember this. There was a mansion that was built uh, as an apartment building for his wife, Um, Casa something. Sorry, I can't remember the name. That's okay. A very famous place. And I came home and I said, I'm going to create this in my home. And so that's what I did. So I'm not talking about simplicity as minimalism and getting rid of stuff, but simplicity as freedom. And what I realized is that traditional definition of success is about money. You're wealthy, therefore you're successful. The problem with that definition is that you don't know how that money came to be in your life how much blood, sweat, and tears you had to put in, how many divorces you had to go through, how many illnesses, or how many uh, days of depression you had to deal with on the way there. Uh, And the second is, um, just because you are, you have money, doesn't mean that you feel happy. And that's something that I'm actually learning about 
around this that, that you feel the way you feel. Just because you have $100,000 more um, tomorrow doesn't make you feel happier. It might for five minutes, but mm -hmm. it's not how mind works, right? I'm learning a lot about that. So yeah. um, it's funny. I'm talking and I'm listening to myself from the uh, outside, Deborah. And what I'm learning is that if people who knew me from before heard me talk now, they would be like, who is this? Yeah. You've become so woo-woo and personal growth oriented when before it was like, here's how you make another $50,000 this month. <laughs> I was very money focused yeah. and it was also very stressful. So today I would say the definition of success for me is freedom. However much money I need to get to that point of freedom is great. So I can go to Dominican Republic every January. So I could take a, a bike ride in the middle of Monday if the weather allows today. Um, and most importantly, freedom to work on projects that I feel excited about. I think that that's what I was lacking in my previous business. There were a lot of had tos. I had to do this. I, this had to be done. And it left no room for freedom to do what I wanted to do. And so today I'm very aware that I wanna work on this project. And I'm going to work on this project. I wanna create this and I'm gonna create this. So it's the freedom to create what you want in your life, to me, is the definition of success today. That was a long answer to your question. <laughs> <laughs> but you, what I hear is that you shifted from, I have to do this, to I get to do this. Yes, absolutely. And I think as business owners, we get caught up in the busyness, the productivity, that we forget that we get to do what we set in mind. And if we're not getting to do what we want to, then we need to re-examine what success means to us. And I think that's it's a wonderful transition and you have so many lessons to share with that from your own personal experience for our listeners to really think, what is your definition of success? Is it about wealth? Is it about having the freedom to do what you want? Is it about going for the bike ride in the middle of the day? Is it about, you know, creating the lifestyle that you want to have and surrounding yourself with the things around you? Like you said, it doesn't have to be minimalist. It's things around you that you feel good in your space. That's why you hear about the magic of tidying up. You know, if, it, if it's not a, yes, I love this piece of clothing, give it to someone who will feel that because that energy surrounds you all the time. So thank you so much for sharing that piece. So how is complexity created in business? What are the consequences? And how can we avoid when things get just too complicated? Yeah. You know, one of the biggest um, things that started happening in my previous business is we started listening to the outside mentors, um, to people who were building their own businesses and they were giving us advice and we respect them, of course, so we listen, right? And when you admire somebody, you simply have to do what they advise you to do. And so what we started doing is we started creating a, an org chart, like for a large organization, right? For a multi-million dollar company. Because if you asked me, you know, a few years ago, Milana, do you want to build a multi-million dollar company? I would say, of course, who wouldn't? There wouldn't be a question of why do you need all those millions of dollars? Like, it, well, because it's a business and I want to grow. Of course I do. 
And so we started building an org chart. And when we created all the, you know, those pieces in the chart, we saw that we were missing this person, we were missing this role, this position, like all of that became very clear that we were missing people. So we started hiring them. We started adding departments. And as we did that, and we brought new people, those people brought their own agendas and ideas and objectives to our company. So suddenly we had, um, I, I would say, a company of maybe 15, 16 people that were each brought their own ideas, their own management um, styles, their own um, experience into this whole thing. And that started complicating what we saw initially as the, as the core of our company. The, the company, the idea that my business partner brought to me was very simple, to create a community of people who are like-minded and that's the community we're selling and everybody's gonna join and it's awesome and they're gonna collaborate. But as we added more team members and more projects and more upsells, downsells, cross sells, all of that, the offer started getting really muddled, overwhelming, impossibly difficult to manage. And so what I would say is that when you listen to other people before you take their advice uh, and to avoid all that complexity that starts entering your business, have a filter, so have, so, you know, have some way to discern whether to take their advice or to say, no, thank you, that's not for me. Now I have that. I, I am constantly listening to people and watching videos and everything with a filter. I call it my simplicity filter. These are the things I want and these are the things I definitely don't want. So that's one thing is when you get outside advice. The other piece that I really believe is getting us in trouble is when we want to grow our business, most people see it as adding you add more stuff, you add more products, you add more team members, you add more marketing strategies, you add, 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 add. And before you know it, you have a lot of stuff now to manage. And so what I love about the concepts and the principles of the simplicity is that a simplicity entrepreneur focuses on the essentials. So a simplicity entrepreneur will actually start eliminating things leaving only the core items, the core ideas, projects, and strategies that will align with their biggest goals and their biggest natural abilities, their biggest super skills, where results come with more ease and excitement, right? So it's not about, growing your company is not about adding. It's actually about removing and eliminating all the clutter, all the noise, all those things that weigh you down energetically and physically, right? Uh, and to remove all that friction so that the biggest ideas, the most exciting opportunities could finally have room to flourish. There's no other way. This is the only way to grow. Adding more stuff is not going to grow. It's going to create a monster that you're gonna to have to manage and, and maintain. So what do you wanna maintain is the question, right? And it dilutes the vision by having all of those things added in. Absolutely. I, it's almost like, you know, you imagine a bunch of glasses and you, you have a water pitcher and you pour water across all those pitchers and it's going to take a while for you to fill them all. Right. But what if you take all of them away and leave one and then you try to fill it right. Suddenly it 
start the water level starts rising because you're focusing on that one glass um kind of like a, a a silly analogy but that's what happens when you have too many things going on in your business and the, the problem with those many things is that sometimes you add them because somebody else tells you to yeah not because you feel oh of course i need to hire this person because i need a website and i need a web designer like the natural step for you but no you hire a web designer because somebody tells you you need a web designer on your team yeah yeah i do oh wait we need to create a website <laughs> yes so then we have some work to give to the web designer, right? So suddenly it becomes about providing work and projects to the people you hire, which I remember was like a nightmare. We don't want to lose this person, so let's create work for them. Do you yeah. know how much complexity that creates? That's everything <laughs> very complicated. <laughs> sure. What is the biggest problem right now in the entrepreneurial space for a coach, author, speaker, or just expert space? Yeah. So, you know, Deborah, I started my business back in 2001 and it was so easy to become a pioneer in any niche, in any field or industry. You could just come up with an idea, Google it. If there was Google back then, I don't remember. I, I think it kind of started a little later, but you could Yahoo it or whatever the search engine was and you probably wouldn't find much about it. And so you create your own. As I walked away from my previous business last year and I started looking for new business ideas, I almost fell off my chair. I was totally flabbergasted. Whatever topic I would type in, it was already existing. It was already there. Somebody was already building an empire around those ideas. Mm -hmm. So what I started seeing was that the biggest problem right now is not that we don't know how to grow our business, but that we are overwhelmed with the variety of choices. There are no shortage of ways to grow. There are collaboration teams. You can do outsourcing. You can do social media, uh, webinars, video marketing, search engines. Um, you can do grassroots marketing and online marketing. And, and I mean, I could sit here all day and read off the list of all the marketing strategies you could be using and you can build your own team and then you could have those growth hacks uh, that a lot of people are finding popular, like online challenges and telesummits, right? It's like, you can go on and on. So the question is, which path is the right one for you? So the biggest challenge I see in our industry right now in the entrepreneurial space is that there is a plethora of ways to grow your business and no one specific methodology to discern what is the right way for me. Yeah. And actually that's what I created with the simplicity circle uh, is that simplicity means finding your own simplicity zone. Simplicity to, to you is complexity to someone else. For example, um, I could do a product launch in my sleep because I've done so many of them. I love them. There's something about the energy of a product launch I enjoy. Um, and I love creating content and building ideas that lead up to the product launch. I could design a live workshop in my sleep <laughs> because I absolutely enjoy doing that. To someone else, these ideas are very complex. Uh, there are millions of people who've never done a product launch and probably will never do it because it's so complicated to them. On the other hand, the idea of networking eludes me. To me, that is one of the most complicated things because I'm not a good networker. 
I tend to be the person in the corner who shrinks because I'm an introvert and I need maybe some, you know, a cheerleader following me around and introducing me. I don't know. But to me, that's not my favorite thing to do. And to someone else that they could do that all day long. And so learning a little bit about yourself, looking deeper and asking yourself, so what is it that, what are my natural abilities? Where do my super skills lie? There are a lot of assessments out there. They tell you, you know, what kind of person you are. But what I've done is actually put a way together that uh, you can translate your natural abilities into how exactly should you build your business? What does that mean? Okay, so you're a networker, but what does that mean? What is the strategy? How do you attract and convert clients? So a lot of those things um, become important for you to know. And it's not a cookie cutter solution. No, it sounds like you have a very customized approach because everyone has their own place where they need to be playing in. Well, you know how sometimes you go to websites and it says the fastest and easiest way to grow your business is X. Yeah. Whatever the strategy is. And the thing is that you have to keep in mind is that the reason that person is saying that is because it was the easiest and fastest way for them. But just because they succeeded with the strategy doesn't mean you're going to either. I mean, I've sold products and programs for over 17 years. And what I'm seeing is that I've sold products by saying to people that this is the easiest way. But as I have matured and gone through the transition, I can see that, huh, I, it, to me, it was the fastest and easiest way, but I can see why this person didn't succeed with this very same approach. So I've become aware that it's not one fits all. There's no way because we're all different. Mm -hmm. It's like there are many different diets, many different fitness plans, many different colleges. Why would we expect to look at somebody who is very successful, see what they're doing, try to replicate it, and then assume that we're going to get the same results when we are a completely different person. So that very awareness true. has become very deep part of um, my daily life right now is I'm listening to you. I hear that you're saying that you were successful with it, but I'm not going to simply take this strategy and use it in my business because I can see that you are a talker and I am not. You are a great networker and I am not. <laughs> right. That's just an example. And, and with that opportunity to have that filter that you talked about, you can also see where you can adapt things at the same time to make them work for you. For sure. Absolutely. You just have to be become more aware of your super skills. Um, I also like to say your, your natural tendencies. Start noticing when you are tired, when you are low on energy, what do you do? Let's say that you have a work day, you, you know, you're working, but for whatever reason you, you are low on energy. What are you doing then? What I do is I start creating content. I start putting little methods and frameworks together, organize ideas into like insights and pieces of information. But if you ask me at, that, at the low energy moment in my day to do an interview like this, there's yeah. no way that I could do it. Yeah. Um, and some people are very natural at connecting. So I noticed when I talked to my friend, she will always say, oh my God, you gotta, you gotta meet this person. Oh, there's a book that I can check. I, I will bring you the book. So she keeps connecting ideas and people and people to ideas. 
And that's something that she does naturally. That's her natural tendency to do that. So start noticing what is it that you do if left to your own devices. Those things that you're doing in your tired moments or your low energy moments, in the moments where nobody's coaching or mentoring you, in the moments where you're really just naturally doing these things, how can you do more of that and actually monetize it? That's what I love exploring with people. That's pretty powerful because when you think about it, you go from the doing person to the becoming person to being going to become to actually being yes. the person that you're meant to be. So when you when you approach your business with that simplicity, what happens is growing your business becomes second nature. You're just being who you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, you need to be strategic. Um, just because you are naturally a teacher or an educator doesn't mean you're going to sell and make money. You need right. to be more strategic. That's why we learn marketing. But but you can marketing is simply um, communicating value to potential clients. How you communicate your value? That's where you need to really come into understanding of your natural abilities. Where do people hear you? Right. So here, here's my question for you then, because I keep thinking, so simplicity, stepping out of your comfort zone. Oh, I'm so glad so, you asked that. So how does that work when you were taught that we need to stretch and grow and still keep it simple? Yeah, for sure. So I'm so glad you asked that because that's been a question for a lot of people. When I launched Simplicity Circle um, earlier this year, a lot of people were asking me, so are you saying that I should not ever expect to work hard or to stretch outside my comfort zone. Isn't that how we grow? Absolutely. That is not what simplicity means. It means that you can stretch outside the comfort zone, but you do it in the direction that you feel drawn to, um, in the direction that is the right direction for you, right? For example, for years, I've been trying to succeed with the speak to sell model. I love the idea of getting on stage, inspiring an audience and making money. Except I've never truly succeeded with that model. Even after 10 years of learning and practicing, I've done my live events, I've spoken at other people's stages, I've never truly succeeded with that, right? I would maybe get 11 people out of a 300 audience to say yes to me. Well, that's pathetic to somebody who does, uh, who inspires and motivates and, you know, does these big numbers and the audience just runs to the back of the room. I've always wanted to have that happen. For whatever reason, I found it um, always to be extremely stressful. Sometimes I would even develop a migraine uh, in the middle of preparation for my presentation, right? Something was off. But then I would get on a webinar and I would close half a million dollar worth of business in, in a matter of weeks. So to me, what that was saying is that I could continue to stretch myself and work hard and grow and learn and hire new mentors and go through more programs in the realm of speak to sell, you know, selling from stage. Or I could just continue improving and learning and getting outside of my comfort zone in the webinar realm. For example, the way I recently done it is I started doing Facebook live video because webinars usually means you have slides and I would hide behind my slides. But now I am stretching outside my comfort zone by doing a webinar, but actually having my face on camera in addition to having 
slides and Q&A and all of these things. So getting outside of your comfort zone in the right direction is going to serve you really well. Pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone in the direction that where you're, you don't really have those natural abilities or your, that, that ease that comes with it, what happens is you're going to be frustrated. Your results are going to come through force and force leads to what? A burnout. And two years ago, I burnt out on stage and I said, I never want to ever sell from stage anything. If you want to buy from me, please, but I'm not going to sell you anything from stage. <laughs> and to somebody who's been successful at it, this might feel silly, funny, ridiculous that I wouldn't be willing to continue pushing myself. But I figured that after 10, 11 years of trying to master this area of my business, I think I'm good. I'm good for now. <laughs> I want to go with the flow. So yeah. that's what simplicity really is. You can stretch yourself. Um, I, I will tell you, when I first started my business in 2001, I didn't know anything about my natural skills, which is why I prefer working with people who already know a little bit about themselves and what they're drawn to, right? But early on, I didn't know. And I heard about this thing called teleclass. Oh, what's a teleclass? Well, I was a music teacher. I'm curious about classes of any kind. So I became a teleclass leader. I took a training, five-day training called teleclass leader training. And I delivered my first teleclass. I had a lot of fun and one person joined. But because I had fun, I explored it. And I learned how to get 100 people on the call with me. And I made seven sales. And so what started happening is every time I would learn something about a teleclass, I would get more results. So that's how you know that this is within your natural abilities. This is within your simplicity zone is that every time you learn something new, your results grow and improve and you get, continue to get joy from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And the other thing I was thinking about when you think about that speak to sell model that people have been using, if it's against your core value, and when, if, when you identify your values, that could be where part of that struggle comes from. I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case or it's just that that often I think when certain models don't work for people, it's because there's a misalignment or there's something else going on that, you know, it just doesn't resonate with you. So when you project it, it's not the same as results as someone else who that's natural ability. Well, and you see, you can argue this point. Somebody told me, Milana, you just weren't working with the right mentors. You just need to work on your mindset, your beliefs. Maybe you have this block that you shouldn't be selling. So I think that that's what you were saying, Deborah, right? And so that could be adjusted with some coaching and mentoring. You could overcome that mindset that you shouldn't be selling to people. For whatever reason, I wasn't connecting with it. So you could spend your time doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. Or <laughs> you could take that same energy and put it towards the area of your business where you do feel flow and yeah. eat and you're drawn to it and you're excited about it and you're getting amazing feedback because people appreciate that part of you. I get really great feedback on my Facebook live videos. I didn't even expect that because I was so scared. My first Facebook live video, I'm rambling, I'm using my gesturing like I'm... It just recently happened. 
And then it evened out. I feel more confident. I can see that people are responding, right? And I can see it only gonna, it's only going to grow even more. Yeah. And when I say core values and mindset, even though they're connected, but what I mean by core value is part of that natural ability, that part that comes naturally to you, but what you truly believe that you offer and the decisions you make based on the, what you value. So it's really thinking back to that freedom. What do I get to versus I have to, but now I have a choice. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, you can continue to work with mentor after mentor after mentor. And if you're still being on the door that doesn't resonate truly with who you are to the core, where your natural ability comes from, I think that would just be frustrating. <laughs> and you know, there are people and mentors out there who, um, who believe that achieving anything should come from a lot of hard work. Mm -hmm. from a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, that to master any skill, you need to work really hard on yourself. And I agree. I am all for hard work. If that work brings you joy and results, yeah. right? Um, I just recently um, heard a sales trainer talk about how you know, when you first start working on a skill, it's hard and you have to front load effort. And then the more you do that, the easier it becomes and becomes more natural and easier. And so I question that because yes, um, with effort come results, but is the effort coming through joy and excitement and you're excited about what you're creating? Like I learned English when I was 19, right? Learning any language at any age is a challenge, especially when you are a grown-up. And so I'm very fortunate to hear from people that I have only a small accent and that people understand me pretty well. Uh, and hopefully your listeners agree. <laughs> but I do remember how difficult it was to learn English. And the only reason I kept pushing is because I had a huge motivation because I knew I had to learn it. I just had to. There was no way around it where I couldn't live and function in this country. And the more I learned, the more I studied English and practiced, the better I became. So I can see how this might feel like, yes, to achieve anything, you need to put a lot of effort in. But you know what? My husband and my dad were both learning English as well. And they were pushing and they were, I mean, they were a little older than me. My dad was 20 years older. My husband was seven years old or eight years older. They were all pushing. There are some people who simply cannot learn a language to the point where they have great pronunciation. And so, yeah, they pushed. They put a lot of effort in. Maybe there's some other ways, some other factors that, you have to factor in learning a language. It's a little bit different. I'm, I'm watching, I'm seeing a picture behind you, Deborah, with two people dancing. Mm -hmm. I started dancing when I was 39. I didn't even know I could dance. And suddenly I just went and went and faster and faster and better and better. And I couldn't believe that it was actually something that I could learn naturally. I wish I would have started sooner because then I would be able, I would be more um, physically 
adapt to, you know, to be more athletic and be more flexible and everything. But um, I think that, that also that comes with effort, but I'm so excited about learning how to dance that I am willing to put the effort, right? So you can get outside your comfort zone and be miserable, or you can get outside your comfort zone and be like, I got this, I can do this, I can't wait when I'm so good at it that people will applaud me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I just noticed how your face lit up as you were talking about dancing. So that's where that natural ability, that flow, that it's not, it doesn't need to be hard, but you can work hard at something. So if you don't know which path to take in your business right now, as far as how to grow, that's the first question to ask yourself, what do you want to do? And let's say you say, I want to just draw or paint. And that's it. And that's what brings me joy. Now, just by drawing and painting doesn't mean you're going to make money, right? But what can you do with that to improve it to the level where people start noticing it? Where you can feel good and confident about showing your work and people noticing, right? So I think that... Um, that, that question should be the first question. What do you feel drawn to? Like yeah. everybody's telling me how to build my business right now. Oh, you should start a membership site. You should start a Facebook group. You should do more video. You should have a $5,000 VIP mastermind program. That's what I'm, I'm hearing. I'm hearing from all directions. And so it's up to me to determine what is the right direction for me. And these are all well-meaning people. I used to give people well-meaning advice. The fastest and easiest way to grow your business is to start a, to create an information product. You have to do this. And then some people would look at me and say, but Milana, I have tried and it's not working. I've been trying to write a book for seven years. And now I see that, you know what? Don't worry about writing a book. You are amazing when you're connecting with people. Keep doing more of that. Right? So mm -hmm. give yourself permission to do what you feel drawn to, but do more of that and do it a little bit more strategically, right? So that, these are the kind of conversations I love having in my simplicity circle. Yeah. Well, I just, <laughs> but forever. I think what it is is that people get overwhelmed because of all the messaging that's out there. They think that should, they should be doing every single avenue to grow their businesses. And when it comes down to what you're doing is you're sifting through to find out what people are truly want to do. And I think because they got caught up in the busyness of the world that they fail to stop and say, Hey, how did I get here? Is this really what I wanted? And sometimes what happens is you create a monster of a business and you cannot walk away from it. You have to maintain it. You have to do the business. I remember that when I, when I first uh, left my company last year and I started talking to people, I had some people who were really jealous that I was in a place where I could walk away, drop it all and wake up the next day. Now I didn't feel really good about that. I felt a little lost. Like, Oh my God, I'm just like, I have nothing to do. I have no brand to market. I have no business to grow. I have no, not even an, an idea right now. I felt very lost. I had nothing. I was such a workaholic all my life. 
and I had nothing to do. Like I jumped off a fast moving train. But those people were like, man, I wish I could just leave it all. Just walk away. You're so lucky, Milana, they were telling me. It's because they created such a monster of a business that they couldn't walk away from it, right? They had a team, they had clients, they had all these structures that they created that they were responsible for. So one of the exercises I like to give my new clients is I, I ask them, imagine you had no business right now. Imagine you were starting from scratch. What would your business look like? Design your business as if you have no business. And at first, this exercise is very overwhelming for somebody who has uh, a membership site with 100 clients and a team of seven people and a client calls every week, right? But then I just say, you know, just pretend. Let's play. Let's play this game. Imagine you have no business. Like cleaning a closet. Take everything out of it. Don't try to organize with stuff in it. Just take everything out. What would you put back? Would you put your membership site in there? If yes, let's put it in there. Would you put a general manager or would you just have a virtual assistant? For example, right now, all I have is one VA. That's it, one virtual assistant. And I went you know, from a team of 12 people down to one VA, it feels wonderful. Ah, oh, I could breathe. <laughs> <laughs> so see what that, play with that. If yeah. you're overwhelmed right now, if you are running a, a giant entity, giant in your mind, See what your business would look like if you were to start from scratch. Now, with all your knowledge, what would your business look like? Untangling the existing complexity can be very difficult because what people do is they try to approach it from, you know, okay, how do I prioritize? How do I simplify? To simplify is like saying, relax. You know you need to do it, but you don't know how, right? So it, it's not enough to hear the word, well, you just need to simplify your business. What I do is I actually help people build simplicity right into the DNA of their business. Because we look at the foundational level of what makes you, you, and then we build from there. How do you make a decision? Is a membership site the right decision for you to start? You don't know that. Not until you look at all the aspects of what a membership site represents. Um, and then how do you price it? Well, let's look at what you want to deliver and how people will, will be willing to pay for that. And can it be sustainable? See, you can do once or twice anything. I can speak on stage a couple times a year. I can do that. But to actually build my entire business around speaking on stage, that's not for me. So you can do something once or twice, but like things like, and I'm talking about membership side because I'm starting one. <laughs> So it's kind of top of mind for me. So I have to ask myself, can I sustain it? Can I wake up every morning for the next 365 days at least and see myself running the membership site, talking to members, helping members? And so I had to design it in, in a way that allows me to sustain it regardless of the level of energy I have on any given day. So imagine yourself at your lowest level of energy. What are you willing to deliver? Those are the kind of questions that I had to ask myself when creating my programs. So a lot of that really is going to come down to that. When you're just being you at a relaxed state, what do you do and what are you willing to do? 
and I sound very much like a hustle-free person and a hassle-free person, but this wasn't me a year ago. A year ago, I was running with my head cut off like a chicken. A year ago, I was hustling, 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 right? Because I wanted to achieve a goal and I was willing to do whatever it took. And I have transitioned from that space to something that is just a little bit more peaceful. I'm still wanting to grow my business. I still want to make a crap load of money, but I want to do it on my terms. Right. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That is so, so powerful and empowering because I don't think people realize that they have that choice, the choice to have hassle free, hustle free. It doesn't have to be a certain way to achieve success. So let's flush out this concept of simplicity entrepreneurship. And you talked a little bit about how you discovered it, but let's talk about how you can grow a business by being keeping it simple through strategy. Yeah. I think that the first question you want to ask yourself is, where are you pushing? Where do results not match your efforts? Right. I think that that's the first question you want to ask yourself. Where do results not match your efforts? Where are you pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and you're not generating the income you want? You're not getting to a point of effortlessness. Because if you keep pushing for 10 years like I was, you should be at a level of effortlessness in that particular area. Where is it not happening? Right. Now, if you're just starting out in your business and you find yourself overwhelmed with all the choices out there, um, simplicity approach will help you boil everything down to the right path for you, right? This is also for you if you are experiencing what I call business growth fatigue and you're not sure how to untangle all that complexity. Maybe you've been feeling some sort of disconnect in your business or your business is stuck in plateau. It really gives you a, a way to just stop doing everything and stop listening to everybody and just choose a few strategies, just the essentials that if you go big on them will help you grow. There's a, a lot of conversations about playing big and what does it mean play big? Like Deborah, what does it mean to you to play big? I don't know if you've ever given this a thought, but. Oh, playing big to me is, for me, it's to be able to speak to large audience okay. of people, watching them have those aha moments of transformation. And ideally, I like to hear that some of them come up to me after to say how what I was sharing with them impacted them. That is part of playing big. And playing big is about being able to do what I want to do. Well, that's great to do it. You are definitely step above than I was a year ago, right? Because to me, playing big for the last 16 years up until just recently was to do a big product launch with big names, joint venture partners. That was playing big to me. Now it came with a lot of stress, anxiety, sacrifices, eventually panic attacks. But that to me looked like playing big is that my name is known I'm creating something incredible. I'm building a revolution. I'm pushing a brand. 
I am known, I am on the tip of the tongue for big name people. To me, that was playing big. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, making a ton of money, right? Yeah. Making a million dollars and being willing to do things that maybe you weren't really wanting to do, but pushing. And so the transition that I've gone through revealed to me that playing big actually means doing more of what you love doing, improving what you love doing and becoming better at it. Because then you can play big in a very concentrated area of your business. Like right now, I am playing big in Facebook Live video. I do one every day. I'm a part of a challenge. It's called a 21-day Facebook Live challenge that's currently running. You know, so I'm playing big in that one area because I want to improve and master and, and, and go through a huge improvement, kind of go to the level of effortlessness on video. And that's to me is playing big right now. If you are great at networking, then forget information products, forget um, social media necessarily. Do more of that. Play big in networking. So playing big to me means concentrating, focusing in one or two particular areas that you feel drawn to, that you have your super skills in, and just do more of that. So I kind of changed the definition. And you're right, like for you, playing big means being in front of a big audience. Well, that's great. That's very important. Um, not necessarily for everybody so right so you have your own definition of playing big but as long as it is aligned with what you love doing and where you want to go then that is your way of playing big and that's awesome yeah and you know I've thought about it many times if I can be doing anything what would I be doing and what that is for me is to be in front of an audience to be either coaching but really being able to serve to the highest energy that I have and also to be able to share the knowledge that I have and what I've done to get to where I am doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone however they may take nuggets of what I share and what resonates with them to create their own because it takes a lot of trial and error so one final question for you and it's about the, our listeners and some of the things that they need to do to start taking simplicity. So here's some things I thought about as, as you're speaking. So Steve Jobs, for example, mm -hmm. you know, he wore the same clothing almost every single day, although I assume that he had multiple of the same. <laughs> I hope so. And, you know, you hear about people eating the same breakfast or the same lunch every day. And part of that is because they're decreasing their decision fatigue yes. so that they have, they keep it simple. They're eating the same things. Does it get boring? No, they can, you know, maybe they change it up on weekends, but they create this structure in their life so that it's quite simple. And I'm just curious because there's a difference between simplicity and simplifying. You've given some examples, but what action steps can our listeners and viewers uh, start taking to start simplifying some of the things in their life? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I would say that the first thing to do is to ask yourself, 
a few questions because you may be overwhelmed and pushing and not realize it. In fact, I didn't realize that I was uh, reaching a burnout until I left. Uh, actually, until I started having panic attacks, but I didn't understand why I was having them. Um, and so when I left, I realized like, oh my God, I filled my life with all this stuff, with all the things, and I was overwhelmed. I just didn't realize it. So the first question is to ask is, what feels to you simple and obvious as the next step to grow your business? Um, and um, when left to your own devices, what do you naturally tend to do? Those are important questions to ask. And then what do you want to do? Because when, you fa when you're faced with a lot of different options and advice, I found that the best strategy is to ask yourself, what do I want to do? Um, and the key is to be honest in your response. You're not trying to please anyone else. Let go of what others may think of your decision. And the moment you ans answer truthfully, the answer with re will reveal itself, right? And it will come with clarity, confidence, and excitement. And I love how you say that Steve Jobs probably, Steve Jobs probably did have other clothing, but that's, that wasn't what he was focusing on. He may have not even thought about any of those things. Like his focus was on innovation. What else can I do that is new? And how can I simplify this even more for users, right? That's where his focus uh, was, right? I don't know much about his lifestyle, but um, chances are that he wasn't giving too much thought about his clothing and what to wear. Chances are. Right. So I think that simplicity-minded entrepreneurs and people in general, um, they don't think about it consciously. They just focus. Like one of the reasons that I was successful um, in business from the very beginning, I was very quickly going up considering the fact that I never had any business experience, I never said the word business until I was 25, probably because business and entrepreneurship was never part of Soviet Union, right? And yet, you know, in my second year, I made $60,000 in my business. And then my third year, I already hit six figures. The reason that I feel like I was successful so quickly because I've always hyper-focused. So I was always a little bit simplicity-minded. I would always focus on one big project at a time, one big objective at a time. I would only hire people if they would support one project that I'm currently working on. This may not be true for everybody. For example, um, I have a friend who is running a web development company. He has, I believe, 20 employees. And I asked him, like, what is your natural ability. What is it that you do just like naturally? And that's something that you default to. And his answer was, you know, manage a team, run a team. And I said, well, that's why you have a team of 20 people in a successful growing company. This was not part of my natural skills and my natural abilities to run a team of people, but it is yours, which is why I have one and you have 20. <laughs> right? So for somebody, if your simplicity zone is to be managing a team, to be a motivating employer, then you're going to create an awesome team and that's how you're gonna grow your business. But someone else will look at that and, say, and will say, I want a business like that. You know, Tom is very successful. He has 20 people. I'm gonna go out there and hire 20 people. Well, that's what I did. And it didn't work for me. <laughs> so I would say um, simplicity entrepreneurs are first and foremost people who can overlook many options 
available to them and focus on the one or two that will make all the difference. So right now, my question to your uh, listeners and your viewers, Deborah, is what is the one thing that will make all the difference? And is it worth overlooking all the other choices and options and things that everybody else is telling you to do or everybody else that you're watching? Where can you go big? What one thing that you can go big on? So you just triggered another question. I know I said it was the last question. No, I'm good. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. <laughs> well, come on into Simplicity Circle. We'll talk more. <laughs> That's awesome. So here's the thing. So we want to keep things simple. We want to get started with taking those little action steps. How, what is the best piece of advice that you feel that you've ever had that has gotten you to where you are right now? Hmm. Oh, hmm. my coach asked me back in 2006, Milana, when you are at your best, what is true? I wasn't, I was confused about the question. That was the first time anybody was asking me a question of that nature. So when you are at your best, what must be true? When you're producing your best results, what is true? And I said to him, I'm embarrassed to answer. That's not the answer that makes me look good. It's an embarrassing answer. He goes, don't worry about it. Just, just answer this question. My answer, and I'm still a little, I can't say that I'm embarrassed, but I, I recall my answer. And I have evolved since then quite a bit. But at that time, my answer was that I sit in my office by myself, no people, and I create products. That's when I create my best work. That is my best result. And he said, then that's what you have to do. So the best advice to me was be honest with yourself about where your biggest results come from. Because this, as soon as I would create a product and I would announce it to my mailing list of people, they would buy. I sent out a, a, an email with a little note about my product and they would buy. I had really great products. And I knew how to create marketing around them and how to build up to, uh, to, be, to get people excited about trying those strategies. So I started doing more of that. That's how I grew my business to half a million dollars on my own. And then in the, in the company that I partnered with, I, with my business partner, what started happening was I started, because I'm a people pleaser, as many women are, <laughs> I started leaning more into what my partner wanted me to do, into what my team wanted me to do, into what my market wanted me to do into what my members expected me to do. And as I leaned away from me, I started doing a lot of things that I was not supposed to be doing. And that's when I started coming um, out of alignment with my, with my um, personality, right? We all have our own unique personality. And if you get away too much from it, you get in trouble, you get overwhelmed, you get burnt out, you get panic attacks, you might have some other um, health issue, you know, I don't want to do the 24-hour launch marathons anymore. I'm done with that. I'm okay. And this is something that I may have to add. I'm actually going to make a note of it so I don't forget. I'm okay making less money 
as long as I don't have to stay up the entire night answering questions about my program. Yeah. I think that that's part of simplicity too, is okay to make less money as long as I don't have to sacrifice my lifestyle, my health, my family, right? We can do this for another couple hours, Deborah. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> the, just that your, your message is so powerful in a time that people are in a place of overwhelm, feeling confused, and often wondering when those results are going to start coming. And just your message today about keeping things simple, really looking at where your strengths lie, where do you enjoy most playing, what gives you most joy, and really it comes down to finding out what success really means to you. And here on the Millionaire Woman Show, we're using the principles of leadership, business, and human potential to help people live rich from the inside out. So your message today really hit uh, what we're sharing with our listeners here. And I want you just to share with us, I know you're into music and everything, I want you to share with us how people can stay in touch with you because I'm sure you've won their hearts today. Oh, well, I hope people were inspired to live more in a simplicity way in their business. I mean, there's simplicity in life and then there's simplicity in business, which is what I call simplicity entrepreneurship. Um, If you feel connected to the idea of simplicity entrepreneurship, and just want to be a part of this movement, a part of the the ideas, and be in touch with other people who have adapted uh, this mindset of simplicity, Um, I would invite you to uh, my website, simplicitycircle.com forward slash get started, simplicitycircle.com forward slash get started. And when you go there, it'll get you the tools and it'll get you into my community, Uh, of Simplicity Entrepreneurs. So uh, that's going to get you started and that's how we can stay connected. And I would love to hear from you. If you heard um, this interview with Deborah and myself, please let me know because I would love to hear more from you and, and what impact and what ideas it inspired. And can they find you on social media as well? Yep, I'm on Facebook. I, I like to give my website link just because it gives you Absolutely. the simplicity assessment to tell you, you know, where you are on simplicity scale. It gives you access to my Facebook group. It, it gives you, um, you know, some tools to get started on the way to being a simplicity entrepreneur and get more of it. Yeah, and I am on Facebook. You can just easily type in my name and find me there. Excellent. So, well, everyone, I thank you so much, Milana, for coming on the show. You are a gem and you shared many, many nuggets. And we would love for you to, you know, stay in contact with Milana, go on Facebook. Also, you can email me at Deborah at DebraKazowski.com or go on the website. There's a form there to let us know what nuggets resonated with you. How has this podcast Um, inspired you to take different actions. Um, Maybe you know someone who would benefit from it as well. So please share it with your friends, your colleagues, your family, because we are here to help people live rich from the inside out. And that's using principles that have been tested over time through leadership, business, and human potential. And today, simplicity in your success. 
with Milana Lashinsky. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And as Muhammad Gandhi says, be the change you wish to see in the world. And my wish for you as always, make today great. <laughs>